0: Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there. This is your host, Dee, and welcome to Episode 5 of the Benzo-Free Podcast. I'm so glad you came back again. Hopefully, maybe you have stuck it out through all five episodes and have found this useful. If that is happening, I am amazed and I am so pleased. If this is the first episode you decided to pop in on, you know, that's great too. Thank you for joining us and I hope you like things. I'm not going to dally around too long today in our intro. Let's get right to the guts of things. As usual, our format today will start out with the introduction, which is where we are now followed by the Q&A, our feature, and we'll wind up with our moment of peace to close things out, as always. Today's feature is actually part three of a three-part series called Managing the Fear. Yes, today's episode will close out this series, and next week we get to move on to a new topic. A couple of things I'd like to mention before we get to our Q&A section. First off, all the facts and studies that i mentioned in the podcast are cited and referenced, and they are listed on our website for each episode. So please, if you'd like to learn more about any topic, go to our website at benzofree.org slash podcast, and then click on the number for the episode, like today's episode would be number five. And then you can view the references at the bottom of each page. And for many of them, there will be links there, which can go directly to the article or study or whatever else the source was. Also, please keep in mind that this podcast is only as good as the feedback we receive, so please let us know what you think. Suggestions, additions, thoughts, crazy ideas, your personal story, whatever you have, we want to hear it. So go to our website at benzofree.org feedback or email us directly at podcast at Can't wait to hear what you have to say. And one more quick thing before we move on, please remember that Benzo-Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. And that's it. Let's move on to our Q&A. So today I'm going to cover a couple questions that I actually saw this morning on the Benzo discussion boards that even maybe piped in on a couple of them. <laughs> Since I haven't officially launched the podcast yet and thus have no direct feedback from you, the listener, I'm using a few other sources for our Q&A up front. So bear with me. Hopefully in another few episodes, we'll start to get feedback, and then our Q&A section can actually be feedback from the listener, and I really look forward to that. So question one is, I've heard about detox centers that offer flumazanil treatment. Does that work? Okay. This is a common question, and I believe it's important to cover here because I know I have seen these out there, and I did some research for these, and it's covered in the book, and I thought I should touch on it here, too, within this podcast. So let, let me give you just a little understanding about the drug we're talking about. Flumazanil is actually a benzodiazepine receptor antagonist. It's kind of like a antidote, which I know sounds amazing, doesn't it? It has been found in select studies to reverse some withdrawal symptomology in patients. In fact, in in 1992, a study was conducted by Leder and Morton titled A Pilot Study of the Effects of Flumazenil on Symptoms Persisting After Benzodiazepine Withdrawal. This single blind study found that intravenous infusion of flumazenil and not saline brought rapid relief of protracted symptoms including muscle tension, pins and needles, weakness, muscle cramps, jerks, burning, tremor, and shaking. Now, Not only did this study help prove the existence of benzodiazepine withdrawal syndrome, which I think is actually the biggest news out of this, but it also alerted doctors to a possible medical treatment. There were a few problems, though, and these weren't small problems. First off, the drug must be administered intravenously and has a very short half-life. As a result, system relief is only temporary. Second, it shouldn't be administered to anyone still taking benzos. So you must wait until you fully complete your taper. And third, treatment with flumazenil comes with a high risk of seizures. That's a big problem. The last thing we want to do is to make your life even worse. But that's not really the end of the story because in my research, I came across detox centers that appear to perform rapid detox from benzos using flumazenil. In fact, one of them claims that they could detox you in eight days. Now, I'm, of course, not a medical professional, but personally, I find this highly suspect. It sounds incredible, I'll admit, but I've learned in my experience, especially during my time recovering with benzos, that if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. After reviewing some patients' experiences with flumazenil, I can't say that it looks very encouraging. Most responses are not positive. With its high risk of seizures and only short-term effectiveness in current studies, if I had to do it all over again, I would definitely stick with the standard and proven slow taper. Let's move on to the next question. Question two. You said you were on Clonopin for 12 years. I've heard Clonopin is the worst of the benzos to withdraw from. Is that true? Well, I I don't know that you can really define any one benzo as the worst. It just doesn't work that way. There are so many factors that influence a person's experience in withdrawal. Some say that all benzos are the same when it comes to withdrawal and symptoms, and others believe it's harder to withdraw from more potent ones. Ashton states in her manual that there is evidence that withdrawal from high-potency benzos can be particularly tricky. The most potent benzos are Alprazolam, which is Xanax, clonazepam, which is clonopin, and triazolam, which is halcyon. There is also some anecdotal evidence that the rate of protracted withdrawal is higher in these. Still, there is one drug that seems to cause a more difficult and longer protracted state of withdrawal than the others, and that drug is clonazepam or clonopin. Now, I'll admit my radar picks up more information article studies about clonazepam than the other ones because it's the drug I was on. I have to admit that up front. I'm partially biased. I am sure I have seen more reports about this than about all the other drugs. But I'm not the only one who has noticed this trend. And there, there might be some science to it. The website Benzobuddies says, quote, clonazepam binds very tightly to GABA receptors. And this might be the cause of problems sometimes associated with withdrawal from this particular benzodiazepine, end quote. But but that in no way says that someone on K is going to have it bad, and someone on Xanax or Ativan is going to have it easier, not by a long shot. And I really want to emphasize this. There are so many factors that influence a person's success through benzo withdrawal. These include genetics, predisposition to addiction, environment, mental state, medical support, personal support, your overall health, your immune system, your attitude. This list goes on and on and on. In the end, any benzo can cause difficulty in withdrawal, so try not to focus on which drug you are on. It's just one factor among hundreds that will influence how your withdrawal will go. It's best to focus more on how you're withdrawing and how you're managing that. If you'd like to learn more information about the specific drug you are on, you can learn more on our website at benzofree.org info types. We have a list of most of the types of benzos there with some basic information on each. At the end of the day, I truly believe that the most critical factor to a successful withdrawal is your mindset and not necessarily the drug you were on. And that actually creates a wonderful segue into today's feature. So let's just follow that trail of thought and move on. So our feature today is Managing the Fear, Part 3. This feature topic is based on a chapter from my book by the same name, and in this chapter, I discuss five key areas of focus for managing the fear of withdrawal. They are responsibility, positivity, activity, kindness, and acceptance. In episode three, we introduced this topic and covered the first area of focus, which was responsibility. In episode four, we discussed positivity and activity, and yes, you probably guessed it, Today is episode five, and we can close out the topic with kindness and acceptance. And so let's move on to our two areas of focus today, the first of which is kindness. Now, that may sound trivial, but I really don't believe it is. And if you bear with me for a little bit, you might see why this plays a significant role in your recovery, in my opinion. I, I know you're probably asking yourself, kindness towards who? Everyone. Honestly, everyone, friends, enemies, family, strangers, yourself, especially yourself. I I close each episode of this podcast with the following saying, be kind to yourself, to those you love, to everyone. I, I don't know if I'll always do that, but right now that's the saying that I came up with and I like it you know, perhaps I'll get some feedback of people that think it's stupid and maybe it'll change. I don't know over time. I can't tell you where this is going to go right now. But for right now, I'm saying this at the end of the podcast because I believe it is that important. I mean, let's face it. This world has plenty of divisiveness, blame, neglect, anger, vengeance, hate. We don't need any more of those things. I really don't think we do. If everyone was just a bit more kind to everyone else, wouldn't this world be a better place? And you know what? Kindness starts at home. Be kind to yourself. Period. That is the hardest one of all these, is being kind to yourself. For so many of us, that is a very difficult pill to swallow. During my withdrawal, I learned not to judge myself so harshly. If I messed up during withdrawal, that was okay. I'll make mistakes, and I'll be okay. I I learned to let it go and move on. I really needed during this time in my life to take care of myself first. I set boundaries and let those who love me know what they are. I found quiet time whenever I could to allow my body and mind to heal, to relax. I treated myself to small pleasures to help raise my spirits and self-esteem whenever I could. I mean, let's face it, if ever I needed to be kind to myself, this was the time. I'm now four and a half years benzo-free, and I'm still not 100% or even close to it. I still have symptoms. I am much better, but I still have symptoms. And I can't tell you the number of times that I say to myself, I should be doing better. I should be working full-time again. I should be supporting this house as much as my wife does financially. I should be more social. I should be able to travel more. I shouldn't have to worry about where I am or where I can find some place to relax or where I can find the nearest bathroom every place I go. My body has some damage to it, and it's made my life different. The truth is, I have survived benzo withdrawal. I'm on the other side, and I'm doing better. And you know what? That's a huge success. I did that. I worked hard on so many things to get through this. And I've come out a better person on the other side. I went to therapy constantly. I journaled. I meditated. I did yoga. I do exercise. I get out and push my boundaries even when it scares the hell out of me. Because I know it's going to make my life better in the long run. So I need to stop beating myself up for thinking I haven't done enough. I have done the best I can, and I'm coming out of it looking pretty good, and I'm going to be okay. It's equally as important to remember to be kind to those around you. Most people don't really understand what we're going through. How can they? I mean, really, how can they? How can somebody else out there understand this experience of benzo withdrawal? This is so incredibly overwhelming nobody looking in really gets it nobody looking in really understands it not even doctors understand it not even therapists understand it unless you've been through it there's really no way to do that be grateful that you have friends be grateful that you have a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or somebody to go through this process with you or a parent or a child, anybody who's helping you, be grateful that they're there and they're providing whatever help they can. Some people out there are going through this totally alone. So if you have somebody out there who's helping you, be grateful for their support. You need it. And it's also important to be kind to everyone else, not just yourself, not just those you love who are around you and supporting you, but everybody else, the ones who don't believe you, the ones who say it's all in your head the ones who are out there on some discussion group or Twitter or Instagram saying something about how terrible you are or preaching some issue that you makes just makes your blood boil it's important to be kind to them too why for one simple reason cuz thinking of them with kindness helps you it helps you as much as it helps them even more so that anger that irritability that constant pressure, that anxiety that comes from hate and from resentfulness and from vengeance does not help us. It only makes our symptoms worse. So do what you can to try to let go of those negative feelings. Do what you can to try to find compassion. That's going to help you. And in the end, it's going to help everyone. I have to tell you, One of the best things that happened to me during withdrawal was when I found acceptance. Honestly. I mean, I stopped struggling and fighting my symptoms, and instead I accepted my current condition. This is so hard to see when you're at the beginning or the middle of benzo withdrawal. It is so hard for me to try to relay to people that this is a good thing. This is a positive thing. It's a helpful thing. Acceptance can be a difficult pill to swallow for many of us. No, no pun intended there. It sounds easy, but it's a difficult transition, and it usually only comes with time. And that sucks, but most of us that have come to acceptance of our conditions only have done that over time. Most people experiencing benzo withdrawal see the recovery as a struggle a fight. I mean this battle of epic proportions. And and they're totally right. It can be. It can be this huge epic struggle. But it doesn't really have to be. I mean, you want to do everything you can to make your symptoms disappear. And if you can't make them go away, you want to make it as easy as possible to get through this. To to find a way to have fewer symptoms or less symptoms or make it be over sooner you want to find a shortcut. We all want to find this shortcut. I had the same attitude for most of my withdrawal. I fought it. I fought it tooth and nail every step of the way. Every time I had a new symptom, I needed to know why. What caused this symptom? How can I make it go away? How long will it last? Why is my body doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? Why, why can't I stop it? The precious few answers seemed to vary from day to day. And while I received a lot of support, there were never any real solutions. I could rarely do anything to significantly ease a symptom or to prevent a symptom or to make it go away. My symptoms continued regardless of what I did most of the time. And eventually, my attitude towards them slowly changed. I began to find something called acceptance. It's one of those five stages of grief that we go through. It's the final stage. It's acceptance of what is. I learned to back off and let my body do what it's been trying to do all along. And that is heal. That's all benzo withdrawal is. I came up with this when I was writing my book. But it's the one word that got me through some really hard days. Benzo withdrawal is just your body healing. And guess what? Our bodies are amazing healers. They really are. They heal from some of the worst things we throw at them. It's amazing. It's it's this amazing feat of biochemical engineering that we can come back from some of the most ridiculous damage. People who have been shot, stabbed, car accidents, all kinds of things in wars have recovered have come back. These bodies that we're in that seem sometimes so fragile from the outside are so amazing at recovery. Our bodies heal from some of the most horrendous injuries. It's it's incredible. And you know what the best thing we can do during benzo withdrawal is to let them do that. Once I accepted that I was dependent on benzos and that all this mess was just my body healing, my whole attitude started to change and my symptoms lessened. Sure, I still get symptoms, but you know what? They don't bother me as much. Sometimes I don't even notice them. If nothing else, they're definitely milder. In fact, they rarely make me anxious anymore, and if they aren't making me anxious, then the cycle is broken, or or at least fractured a bit. Less anxiety equals less symptoms. If you have no other formula in your head during benzo withdrawal, that's the formula that I believe We should all carry with us. Now this healing process is painful at times. I have to admit that. Very painful. And there's a lot of struggle here. And it's serious. But there's also a reason for it. It makes sense. It makes it bearable. It did to me. We're talking about nerves here, the messengers of pain. So it makes sense that there's some pain associated with them healing. I can fight this process, which really means I'm competing against my own body's attempt to heal itself. Or, I can allow the healing to take place and try and live with the discomfort as best I can throughout this process. I realize that this journey with benzos happened to me. It's in the past. It doesn't matter if it was someone else's fault or my own. That really is not a factor in my recovery. Life is full of ups and downs. I have a damaged nervous system now. It's a fact. I hope it gets better over time, but it might not. And you know what? That's okay. So just keep in mind. Keep in mind these two last areas of focus. Be kind to yourself and find acceptance of what has happened. Learn to live with your body healing instead of struggling against it. So that's it for today's feature. And that's it for our three-part feature that closes it out. I hope you enjoyed the series or found at least part of it useful to your recovery. I know these areas of focus help me, and I'm just hopeful that something in there, some little tidbit of something, can help you. And before we get to our closing, we do need to close out with our disclaimer. So just a real quick 25 seconds here to listen to our disclaimer, and we'll move on to our moment of peace. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical, health, or psychological advice, nor any other kind of personal or professional services. Withdrawal, tapering, or any change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, theanodiazepines, or any other prescription drug should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org disclaimer. Each week, we will close our episode with what I call a moment of peace. It's just one minute. And it's an opportunity to quiet your mind a bit before you return to the chaos of the real world. The way this works is that I will give you a brief introduction, perhaps a suggestion of something to focus on. Then I will play a soft bell, which will indicate the start of the one minute. This will be followed by another soft bell, which will indicate the end of the one minute. And that will be the end of the episode. Feel free to continue to meditate if you choose. If not... Continue on with your day. Please remember that you should only do this exercise if you are in a safe place. If you are driving, operating heavy machinery, or any place which is not safe to close your eyes and meditate, then please skip this closing and wait until you are in a safer location. Today we are going to focus on a mantra meditation, a mantra that is focused on healing. This plays into our feature topic that we've covered for the last three episodes. Today's mantra is simply this, my body is healing. That's it. If this mantra does not work for you, please feel free to use any mantra or focus you choose. These are only suggestions. So let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in all the way down to your belly. Hold it for a second and then let it out slowly. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second. And let it out slowly, along with all the stress of your day. One more time. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out as you release all the stress in your body. Now just breathe normally and relax. In... and out. In... and out. Slowly. Today's mantra is, my body is healing, so repeat that to yourself as you're breathing. Remember that if your mind wanders, just gently bring it back to focus on your mantra. Continue this for one minute. Thanks for joining me today. And before you leave, remember, be kind to yourself, to those you love, to everyone.